Hola, hello. Thank you for tuning in to Mujeres in the Know. Hey everyone, how is it going today? I hope everyone's having a great weekend. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the podcast and I'm so excited to bring you episode six of season three. So for this episode, we are going to have an amazing special, special guest and her name is Maritza R. Lubers and she is a motivational coach. She's currently living in Rhode Island, but she's from the Rio Grande Valley. So she's gonna share her story with us and tell us more about her experiences as a motivational coach, as a mother, and about her move back to Texas. So let's go ahead and bring her in. First of all, thank you so much, Maritza, for being a guest on the podcast. We cannot wait to hear what you have to share. Hey, Maritza. So the first question that I have for you is, where were you born and raised? And can you share a little bit about your upbringing? Do you have a big family? Do you have any siblings? So, um, yeah, I was born in Harlingen, Texas. And I would have to say I was raised both in Harringen and in Mission. We moved to Mission um, probably a couple of years, I guess when I was like elementary school. But the reason why I say both of them, even though we moved to Mission, we were still going every single weekend to spend time with my grandma and grandpa, my Aunt Josie and my cousins, which is on my mother's side. Um, and plus they are, were a big part of helping raise my brother and I. It was like a big old thing to like go each weekend so that's why I say I was raised both in Harringen and Mission. My upbringing um, you can see it's very family oriented. We're not a big family um, you know because there's the mom and dad, um, the, my brother and I. It's mostly you would see my mom. She was the main main bridge of our family and raising in a Catholic Latino family was also a big part of what built the foundation of who I am as a person. You know, every Sunday morning, the first mass of Sunday, we were at church. Every Wednesday we had CCD. We were always involved with the church. And I think that was a main main foundation that never to forget what we believe in, have something to believe in. And it brought us closer. And I don't think we really realize until now we're older. It brought us closer no matter of the journey my mom went through and as we we're raising up it brought us closer as a family at the end of the day if something's going hard on us we knew we can come together in prayer or together as a family and slowly kind of get through it um i think also being raised by the church really made us strong because you know my mom she was a teacher um in mission at leo marcel not only a teacher she was a uil coordinator and the most fabulous title that everybody can remember in mission was she was the detention teacher so everybody would ask me is your mom strict i'm like yeah <laughs> so i was raised in this household as you can see like inland latino household my mom was very strict on us but of course we still had our fun you know we were able to live and breathe and enjoy the world but my upbringing my mom ensured that both my brother and I remembered where we came from. Um, so my mom is a first generation American and she was a migrant worker. So she instilled the importance of being contributing to society, giving back to the community um, where we were born in and so forth, and but also the importance of an education. There's times that I was really hard headed and I didn't want to listen. So she would drive by the fields in the valley and she's like, if you don't want an education, then that's where you're going to work hard as a person. Like it took me and your grandparents to work really hard 
to get where we're at. So I think you can do the exact same thing. Education is a big, big role. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I, was, I was like, holy, okay. You know what? She's right. Education is a big part of who I am as a person. And also to follow what we believe and dream of. Like I said, I have a sibling. I don't know, in social media, a lot of people who know who I am know that I, I had a brother and he followed his dream. A dream completely different than my dream, you know, getting my education. So my mom, oldest brother, uh, my uncle Richard, which we never got to meet. But he joined the army. He was a ranger, airborne, served Vietnam, and unfortunately, you know, um, he passed away. So my brother felt, you know, he would hurt, hear so much things about him. A person we never met. And he's like, you know what? He is so strong. He's the firstborn. He's so proud of his country. He was just in awe of this person, always giving back his shirt up. And you know, it's so crazy. My brother literally looks like my Uncle Richard. He looked like him. He had a great confidence. And what I love about my brother, with no hesitation, such a courage at heart, no hesitation, at 18, he signed up for the military. It was like, Mom, I'm going to follow in Uncle Richard's footsteps with no hesitation. So he went on and he served his country proudly. He was in the army, he was in the airborne, he was a ranger, and he served three tours of freedom. And unfortunately, two weeks prior of his scheduled vacation to come visit us, my brother um, was killed. And it's, it's, I talk about him and I try not to go in details of, everything how it went through how i found out but i talk about it like he's still alive like he's still here um and his anniversary is actually coming up next month um so he passed in 2013 so as years even despite of how many years have passed it still feels fresh it feels fresh that wow i forget sometimes that my brother's not here with us because i got so used to as i was growing up he was always fighting a war, so I get to hardly see him. But because we lived through emails, and back then it was like MySpace. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how we would communicate, and that's how we would send pictures to each other as I grew up. So sometimes I forget, you know, my brother's not here with us because I'm thinking he's still on the other side fighting for our, our country. But yeah, we both grew up understanding that we're always going to be with each other. And despite if we are blood, Everybody's family to us. We are going to be there for anybody who needs help, despite of what walks of life of what journey they're going through. And that's what my mom has always taught us to be humble and to give back to others. Thank you so much for sharing that, Maritza. The next question I have for you is, you will be moving back to Texas. Can you share with us what your experience was like living in Rhode Island? And what are you looking forward to the most about being back in Texas? Ooh, <laughs> so I'm so excited um, to move back to Texas. Originally, I'm all Texas girl. I'm, I think I'm more excited about the Whataburger, <laughs> H-E-B, and Delia's Tamales, um, because obviously we don't have Whataburger over here, or H-E-B, or real tamales. Um, that's what I'm excited about. And, you know, through our experience in Rhode Island, we moved um, for my husband. He um, got matched in his fellowship over here at Brown University. And we had to move 
literally during COVID, everything was shut down. So that was really hard for us because we're coming from Texas where we have the whole world is your family. Us Southern states were so opening arms. My family's in the same city um, and going further to Northeast where, you know, this is for the heart where COVID hit really bad. Yeah. So moving here, it was really hard to adjust. It was very hard to find friends. So it got even lonelier. There wasn't any schools open. There was hardly anything open to be able to enjoy a lot of things. But at the same time, the experience of being able to be with my son more, enjoy more of the outside, kind of get to know who I am as Maritza, mm -hmm. as a sister, as a wife, as a mother, as a daughter. I really, really had to look at myself in the mirror a lot. Um, I suffered through depression and anxiety, so of course I had a lot of meltdowns. I had a lot of adjustment issues, but I learned a lot of things. I started opening up a little bit more and I was, I was scared. I was scared to open up, but at the same time as we slowly started opening up more things here in Rhode Island, I found an opportunity to become a cycling instructor at Cycle Bar here. And with that, it opened more doors to be able to find my home away from home family. They were very welcoming. They asked so many questions about Texas. They never been to Texas. So we had the typical, does um, everybody wear boots? Does everybody wear hats? Does everybody say y'all? And I'm like, well, I say y'all a lot. <laughs> But I goes, yeah, it's a mix of everything. And it was a learning experience, both positive and both trying to figure out of who I am that I never allowed myself to answer and ask that question. You are a mother to an adorable son named Liam. And what would you say has been the biggest challenge you have faced as a mother? And what's been the biggest challenge you've overcome? Well, um, the biggest challenge, um, I think anybody who is a parent will have can name millions of them and I never thought or understood what it really means to be a parent until that was my new label. Mm -hmm. And the biggest challenge, and I think I'm still working on it, is realizing and believing in myself that I'm doing a great job. Yeah. Being able to believe in it. Because you can have friends tell you, but in reality, can I look in myself in the mirror and believe in it? That was one of the biggest challenges to honestly just say it out loud. And the reason why I say it, because I don't like to sugarcoat things um, very much anymore, because I think we're at an age like, you know what, let's be real with each other. I have to say, becoming a mom, I have received a lot of judgmental comments mm -hmm. because I didn't fully breastfeed my son. I had a C-section, so people thought I'm lazy, but little do they know I had to have an emergency C-section. Yeah. Because, unfortunately, you know, the unfortunates that had happened. And in the other time, you know, working out is part of who I am. And my mom kind of reminded me, like, Miha, don't forget about do something for yourself, which is working out. She gave me the ability to do that. And I got people give me a comment. You should use that time from working out to take care of your kid. Mm. And these are coming from moms. And that's the saddest part. Not coming from people who don't have kids yet. It's literally coming from moms. And it really stunned me. Like, I thought we we're supposed to empower each other. 
Yeah. And that really hurt me. And I still get shivers. I still want to cry about it because it was so sad to hear. And I would cry. I was like, put so much stress on myself. And I was like, and finally, I would slowly have to tell myself and believe in myself. You know what? My child's healthy. I'm healthy. If I can't be healthy for myself, what makes like me become healthy for my child as well? <laughs> so that was kind of like, huh. But then I kind of realized that, you know what? I'm doing a great job. It's true what my friends and my family are telling me. Even my guy friends are telling me who don't have kids or just became a father. Like, it goes, Maritza, dude, you're doing a good job. <laughs> like, you're believing yourself. And this is coming from guys. It's so hilarious and cute. And goes, it's okay. We got you. You need some food? We'll get you some food. Don't worry about it. Like, it's just so gratifying to hear your friends from all walks of life still being there for you and uplifting you and letting you melt down in front of them was like even more gratifying like crying because if you need to cry dude cry yeah. and i would cry i would bawl and it was just great to like they allowed me to do do it and be comfortable about it but of course i still have my meltdowns and so forth but you know what i think i'm learning to allow myself to tell me again like you know what you're doing a good job. That is it. And don't allow people's comments to kind of mold you into something that you think you're not. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally relate to that. I'm, I'm the same way. So thank you so much for sharing that, Maritza. My next question is, as a motivational coach in today's day and age, what have you found to be the most effective way to coach an individual? Uh, do you only coach women or men as well? So coming into to becoming an effective motivational uh, coach, and I think it's in anything that you put yourself in becomes something that's effective. I think in this case is that first you want to find your niche. Who's yeah. the audience? What is that? Is it a, like, say example, mental health, which is what I focus on. I'm very supportive and feel like bring awareness and so forth. Trying that niche, finding that audience and how you can connect with it. You not cannot only be just your journey. It doesn't have to be like, oh, you're going through something so you can connect to it. Because maybe something else you witnessed mm -hmm. or you felt before. Mm -hmm. And being able to connect with the audience is a very important thing also. Because if you're just reading off lines and you, there's no connection, you're not going to be an effective motivational um, coach. And I don't just motivate just women. I motivate everybody. Mm -hmm. um, I'm all about empowering each other, not just empowering women. I'm all about, because I have a son. So, and I, my husband, he, I have two men in my life. Yeah. So I feel like, you know what? I'm not going to only just do it for women. I'm going to do it for men as well. Because I'm more than sure they need some motivational in their life as well. Yeah. And I just want them to know that once you become a little open and it's okay to share in a healthy boundary way, it's okay to share a little bit about yourself so you can connect to your audience. But also remember once you share something about yourself that you're gonna have all these mixed feelings and it's normal that you're gonna have positive comments and but you're also gonna have that door of the negativity that some people, you know, there's always that one person <laughs> yeah. that's gonna be negative. <laughs> and you know, um, it's so funny. It's like, how did I become one? Mm -hmm. um, I just like, I'm still scared. Like even right now, I'm still scared to open up. But I was like, you know what? I'm going for it. I'm going to go over for it, not just for others, but just for my self of towards my healing process. Yeah. Thank you so much, Maritza, for sharing that. And with your experience as a motivational coach, what is one thing you hope for women to try and practice doing every single day? 
Let's see. Every single day. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) It's something I remembered a friend of mine said. And I just recently heard somebody else say it on TV in their own words. We can't wait and wait until life isn't hard anymore. Until we decide we can be happy. Like, you don't have to pick one. You don't have to pick, oh, I want beautiful life. Or, oh my God, this hard life. If you can allow both beautiful things and the hard things to coincide together at the same time until we realize that that's when we are fully living Mm. so it's true like I just want people to not be like you know what I can be happy once this happens but if you just wait and wait you're never gonna allow yourself to be happy take a Mm. moment do it why wait for something to turn for you when you can do it yourself Wow. The next question I have for you is, can you share an experience you went through that motivated you to become a motivational coach? Yeah. So when somebody asked like this question, like, how did you start? What's what what brought your mind to this is because everybody in the whole world is becoming a blogger or something. (laughs) And the, the answer to that question is that I had several people who knew of my journey of abusive relationships, um, grieving, depression, anxiety, and they would reach out. And of course, it's all confidential. And they would ask me the questions. How did I get through it? How much longer will I be hurting? And I told them there is no right, right answer to anything. So I figured as I was telling them, sharing my journeys that, you know, there are the pros and cons of opening up more and I felt like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna share my journey and I and actually I spoke to my husband prior like look I think I want to do this I think in order for me to fully heal and allow myself to grieve allow myself to cope and maybe I can be a beacon of hope towards the survival guide for somebody and maybe in the same journey that I was going through because I fell so hard you would not realize how far I fell. Mm. I wasn't the same money to that everybody's getting to know now. Mm. I put myself in situations that I thought would numb me from the pain. It would numb me for somebody taking the my grief, my coping away from me. I fell so hard until finally I was like had some friends like, no, this is not who you are. As I slowly started moving forward and the healing process, recognizing my emotions, and slowly forgiving myself and loving who I am as a person, I started to see the door open a little bit more. Wow. And a little bit more. And I try to tell everybody, and I tell my clients, you know, we get lost in social media. We get lost in life and world. We let things control us. We let the action of the person control who we are in our emotions that we got to remember We need to take back our own control. It's not the person really, it's the action that the person made us feel. Just taking it back Mm -hmm. and with a simple inhale and exhale, we can reconnect with the colors of the sunset. Each time we feel we has fallen back, we can slowly reconnect. And I thought everything as I write down in journals, everything I've learned in group counseling, individual counseling, I took that together and be like, you know what? I think I can do this. I think I can allow myself to feel the good resistance because sometimes we need good resistance and order ourselves to feel a little uncomfortable for change. 
And I thought like, you know what? I don't always have to have the light on when it gets too dark. I can be in the dark as much as I need to and be like, I can get through this. Mm, wow. Because <laughs> sometimes, yeah, because I feel like sometimes we got to get uncomfortable. Yeah. We got to allow ourselves to feel all the emotions that we own. Yeah. In order to feel the emotions, we're going to be able to be, all right, I can get through this. I am strong. And I'm not saying it's a walk in the park, mm -hmm. but you just got to really trust yourself and be like, and always know that you're never going to be alone. Yeah. Allow yourself to ask for help, to open up a little bit more and you will see you truly are not alone. Wow. <laughs> you, that was, thank you, Marisa. Thank you so much. Um, the last question I have for you is, lastly, if you could give advice to someone who hopes to become a motivational coach and be a light to others as you are, what would you tell them to always remember? Well, um, first, I guess I would always kind of remind them, like I said before, um, being a motivational coach is like an amazing thing, an amazing opportunity. We can use as many as we need. We have so many people. We'd love to hear everybody's you know, light of the words, but also remember, you're gonna have both sides, the positive feedback, you have some negative, but always remember for yourself and to your audience, whatever comes about as you share your story, as you hear people share your their stories, that as much of the bad things that have happened to us, to you, to me, to anybody, we are more than that, more than that, it does not define of who we are as a person. Always remember that. We are more than the things that have happened to us. And again, sometimes we gotta lean into the right kind of resistance. We stay uncomfortable in situations and sometimes not turning on the light, we can outlast the pain and the discomfort. Yeah. And that's how we kind of slowly get our craft together slowly showing who we are authentically as well. Wow, that's beautiful. As you can tell, I was left speechless during several moments of our conversation because some of the stuff Maritza said was just so beautiful. So thank you so much Maritza for doing this and I'm so glad that you were able to be a guest. And thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Mujeres in the Know podcast. It's Natalie here, your host. And until next time, please stay safe out there. Cuidado, por favor. And we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye and adios.